You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Hey, so just a few quick bits of housekeeping here before we get to this week's episode of Assembly Call Radio. Uh, First, just a quick update on the donation drive, which is technically still going uh, because we said it was going until Friday the 9th. Uh, But we achieved our goal last weekend on Sunday, so I just wanted to give you an update. Um, We are currently at $10,950.84, so almost a full $1,000 more than we asked for. Again, thank you to everybody who supported us. I've got the total up there on the site at assemblycall.com slash donate. And if at any time um, you want to support us later or during the season, those donation options will stay up there. But we succeeded in our goal and, and got what we needed. So thank you very much for your support. Um, one other thing that I wanted to mention, I know I haven't talked about it a lot on here, but we did launch a community, a private IU basketball community. It's kind of like a little private social network. Like if you imagine Facebook, but if it was only IU basketball talk, that's kind of what that is. Go to assemblycall.com slash community and you can check it out because we'd love to have you join us in there. A lot of great conversations going on. Um, you know, especially live during game days, poll questions, just a really fun group of people in there. Um, and again, it's at assemblycall.com slash community if you're interested. And then the last thing I want to say is that we're introducing a new sponsor on the show this week. I'm really, really excited about it. Um, it the, the brand is called Comfort Option. And we're going to tell you all about them. They're going to be sponsoring Assembly Call Radio for the whole uh, season. But I want to read you the emails. Like The way that this sponsorship started was just from an email from the chief marketing officer of the company. And the email back on October 15th went like this. He says, good morning, Jared. I'm a new listener to your podcast, but longtime IU fan. I graduated in 07 and grew up similar to you, heavily invested in the 92 era. In fact, when I was a kid, I drew a picture of I'm going to stop the story right there because in the ad read that I do uh, coming up here in the episode, it's in segment one, so you don't have to wait too long. We'll kind of finish that story. But I'm really excited about this advertiser. You know, we love being able to partner with local Indiana based companies. It just it fits. Uh, that's what Hoosier Proud was. That's what Comfort Option is. So you're going to be hearing us talk more about them. They just they have a great story. They have a great product. They're Hoosiers just like you and me. So we're really happy to uh, about this partnership. So you'll be hearing more about them. The first ad read coming up in segment one. Um, but anyway, that's all I wanted to say. And let's get on with this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. Here we go. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 100th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 437th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, November 8th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. Oh, Hoosiers have won the national 
This week's banner moment occurred in the second half of Indiana's season-opening victory over Chicago State. Rob Finnessy, who has a reputation for being smart with the basketball, threw a terrible telegraphed bounce pass that was picked off by a Chicago State defender. Chicago State then tried to turn its defense into offense and get going in transition, but it wasn't meant to be. Why? Because Rob hustled back and made an athletic interception of his own, snatching possession of the ball right back for Indiana with no damage done. And what I loved about this play was the instinct for mental toughness that it showed. A lot of young players, heck, even a lot of older players, might have sulked after such a poor turnover, especially in a game that was already decided and entering silly time. Or they might simply have turned and run back on defense, simply with the idea of kind of just getting back on defense. But Rob immediately turned and ran to make a play. And he did. It was an athletic one. He looked like a cornerback making up ground and intercepting an underthrown pass. And it is this combination of mental toughness, basketball IQ, and athletic ability that is making Rob stand out so early in his freshman season. That's a great sign for a guy who seems destined to become one of this program's on-court leaders, perhaps even as soon as this season. Okay, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show to my left. He is the Mike Budenholzer of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati, the President Emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and one of the nation's most respected bracketologists, This despite having LSU projected one seed line higher than Indiana in his preseason bracketology. I can be bought, I guess is what I'm saying. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line from the last week in IU basketball? Well, you know, a 1-0 start is certainly better than the 0-1 start uh, from a season ago. You know, we kind of touched on that. I think glossed over it for, you know, the better part of the Chicago State uh, you know, post-game show, but, uh, you know, certainly a 49-point victory is a, a far better way to start the season off than what we saw a year ago. And, uh, you know, for me now, it's the, the season starts to become a puzzle where you're trying to, you know, learn a little bit more and, and put a little bit, you know, put a few more pieces in each given week. And so, you know, I think about where we are now. You've seen an exhibition game in the Chicago State game and, you know, we're starting to, to starting to figure out a few things of uh, of you know did we some things we thought about the team going into the season that may have been reaffirmed some other things we might be revisiting and if you think about a week from now they'll have you know have that Marquette game under their belt the first real uh, test of the season and I think that that'll be a game that we'll learn uh, quite a bit more not only about you know how good this team really can be defensively how far ahead uh, of the offense the defense really is against a really talented Marquette team but also a better idea of who's going to really be in the rotation which will uh, certainly tighten up by then. And so, you know, we're, you know, just one game into what we hope is going to be a, you know, a really long season, but, um, but you know, it's just kind of interesting to see the, the little bits and pieces that we'll pick up along the way. And I think we'll know uh, a lot more in a week, even than we do right now. And to my right, no, unfortunately, it is not Ryan Phillips who has been stricken by a wicked case of food poisoning. Ryan had a good night. No, Megan, I don't think he did. I won't read you the graphic text that Andy and I have received, but suffice it to say... That's not a great situation. Now, here's the real question. Is it a coincidence that Duke had one of its most dominant performances ever, and soon after, Ryan gets food poisoning? Hmm. Now, all joking aside, we wish Ryan a speedy recovery. He's been working his butt off lately, and we all know that this show is never quite the same without him. But here to replace him is our trusty fourth man. He is the longtime high school basketball coach, or a longtime high school basketball coach in Indiana, the host of Sports Talk with Tonsoni, the founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club, and the president of the Archie Miller Fan Club. Look at me, I'm Archie Miller. I really, really like Archie Miller. I have a mad crush on Archie Miller, and I trust Archie. Thank you. He is the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and that means it's Tonsoni time. Coach, what's on your mind? Well, you know, we didn't have much tomfoolery going on in the early part of the season like we did last year. 
So um, that, that's my main thought, that it's very nice to get a, a win and be 1-0 on the season instead of reeling like last year. And, and in all seriousness, to add to the crush that uh, I have on Archie Miller, you win by 49, hold a team to a, a really good defensive efficiency, and you're upset with the defensive intensity and focus uh, in the post-game press conference. So, um, and, and here's something uh, to defend Ryan with, with Duke, too. And, and I know this is going to be ridiculous because everyone's talking about how good that program is after one win. I'd rather have a team that defends uh, and might have an off night offensively once in a while because defense keeps you in games and wins Big Ten tournament games and NCAA tournament teams. Teams who depend, don't defend but outscore people with talented they can have an off night. Even talented guys can have an off night. And that's when teams like Duke are going to get beat because they don't coach any defense. So, Ryan, I'm taking care of you. I'm going to stick on the Duke train there. But it's IU basketball, and tonight's about IU basketball. Another home opener tomorrow. We're going to talk about what we're looking forward to, or another home game, what we're looking forward to. It's just fun to see a good result, even though the opponent was Chicago State, with three guys that you were counting on being in the rotation, not being in the rotation. And that really didn't alter as you're seeing results come through the chat mobs talking about a Louisville score and a Notre Dame score. Indiana didn't have that. And, and hopefully that continues right up until Marquette. All right. Here's what we are going to talk about this week. We will each talk about the biggest thing that we're going to be watching for in the Montana State game coming up on Friday. We'll talk about what we've learned, if anything, about Indiana's guard rotation. And then some important perspective on the recent announcement by Trace Jackson Davis that he will wait until the spring to commit. We will talk about that, and then we will answer some of your questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, I am very excited to introduce our newest sponsor, Comfort Option. And they will be with us all season as a sponsor here on Assembly Call Radio. And in future spots, I will tell you all about their revolutionary mattress store to your door product. But before we get into all of that, there are a few things that you need to know about Comfort Option as a company. They are an Indiana-based mattress manufacturer. They are backed by over 65 years of experience. And they are family-owned and operated by third-generation graduates of IU. And then there is this, which is clearly the most important thing you need to know about Comfort Option and why we're so excited to have them as a sponsor. Nathan Elliott, whose granddad founded the company, is Comfort Option's chief marketing officer. He is the person who originally reached out to me about pursuing a partnership with the Assembly Call. Well, he counts among his most prized possessions an autographed picture of Calvert Cheney that Calvert mailed to Nathan after his parents had sent Calvert a drawing that the then seven-year-old Nathan had made of his favorite Hoosier. So yeah, in other words, these are our kinds of people. They bleed cream and crimson, just like you and me, and they also happen to produce a fantastic mattress product, which gets five-star reviews everywhere you look online. Again, I will tell you more about Comfort Options products in future episodes. For now, if you're curious, visit comfortoption.com to learn more. Can a brother get some coupons? And yes, if you decide to buy a mattress, make sure that you use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout to get a $50 discount on your mattress purchase. That's comfortoption.com, promo code ASSEMBLY, for $50 off mattresses. Thank you. Okay. So, guys, let's talk about this Montana State game that is coming up on Friday. And, Andy, I will go to you first. You know, Montana State, they're obviously not quite as bad as Chicago State, but they're down there in the 260s, the 270s in Ken Palm. So I don't think anybody really expects this to be a competitive game. The Ken Palm prediction, I think, is about a 24-point victory for Indiana. But given what we've seen now through one exhibition game and one regular season game without playing much competition, what is the, kind of the biggest thing that you're going to be looking for in this game against Montana State? 
Uh, well, I tend to gravitate more toward the defensive end because you or because Montana State did not come in with a, uh, you know, defensively their efficiency numbers were pretty poor last year, and you know, one game in they gave up 100 points and 1.3 points per possession to Utah State. So, uh, doesn't you know? I don't think scoring is going to be uh, an issue. So for me, you know, IU's been really good in the Southern Indiana game and in the Chicago State game at forcing turnovers and coming in. This is a team that. Uh, you know, the the current, you know, Ken Palm, some of the, uh, you know, trying to work out some of the preseason projections. But the last couple of years, uh, Montana State's been pretty good at taking care of the basketball, has had low turnover rates. Uh, their better players are, are a pair of guards. So to me, you know, kind of coach alluded to this a little bit of, you know, the defense is, if you can make that your calling card that you're always going to, you know, be known for and that you can count on night in and night out. Um, this game will go a little bit toward saying just how good this team can be defensively. And so if they can continue to force turnovers, which has gotten them some transition buckets uh, in these, uh, in the exhibition game, the Chicago state game, I think that'll continue to be a positive. We see that, you know, really be something that, that, that you can hang your hat on as a fan and and know what's coming up. So this will be another test in that regard. Like I said, I I struggled to come up with anything offensively uh, that really, you know, would fit the bill here, but I think it's, you know, continuing what they've, uh, what they've started out doing defensively. Coach, biggest thing you're looking for against Montana State? Well, I, I think both of you guys are going to hit the defensive side, and I probably would too, being a defensive-minded coach. Um, and and I, I would say the one aspect, which isn't maybe the biggest thing, I, I'll let you, Jared, talk about some other things that I agree with, is uh, players learning to play great defense without fouling. Uh, I, I think that we saw Rob get in foul trouble the other night. He had to sit for a, a part of the first half, and, and Archie went against what he normally does did bring him back. I, I wonder if that was just because it was Chicago State um, or some things like that. Rob seemed to handle playing with fouls. That, that is something we talk about as coaches a lot. When you you have two fouls or you have three or four at some point in, in the game, do you know how to keep competing at a high level without fouling and, and being smart about taking fouls and not uh, silly fouls? So I would be looking for that. Offensively, it'll be interesting. I, I haven't seen a scouting report on Montana State to see if they play zone, man, whatever. But I'd like to see the offense getting a little bit of a flow when they're not out running in transition because that's going to obviously uh, need to, to uh, be a key component of that. And, and I, I just got a chance to watch the first half on, on tape because I, of, of coaching duties. But uh, Jawan Morgan's got to get going at some point offensively, I think, earlier than he has. Uh, you mentioned on the postgame show you thought that he did not have a great game. So I, I will look at, if we're looking offensively, uh, what's the flow look like? Can we get some stuff in the half court? Can we get Jawan going uh, a little bit earlier than what we have uh, in the first couple of games that we've seen? Yeah, I would say the one thing for me offensively that I would like to see, I mean, there's several things, but I think the main thing is Devontae Green's shot selection. And I thought I thought he did some nice things, you know, his first time out. And you have to remember he was injured. He did some nice things, you know, played pretty well defensively, but he was really kind of hunting shots. And I think at times last year he needed to do that because we didn't have playmakers offensively. He does not need to do that this year. And, you know, as we're going to talk about, you know, in the in the next segment, that's one of the things that, you know, you start talking about the difference between he and Rob and who might be a better fit when you have Romeo and Jawan and other scorers out there. That's something where, you know, maybe it's just going to take Devontae a little bit of time to remember that he's got all these playmakers around him. So I'm not overreacting to that at all. It's just something that I would like to see and see if that changes once he's had a game under his belt. And then, you know, to me, it's about the defense. Coach, you talked about how Archie was disappointed in the postgame press conference. I always like to see 
when a coach has made something a key, and and he's clearly talked about it in a post game press conference, or he talks about it, you know, on the pregame show, and said it was something they focused on this week. I always like to see if the team goes out there and executes it, because that shows a team and a coach that are on the same page. And when you don't see that, you know, you not you don't overreact to it happening one time. But if that becomes a pattern, you really start to question the connection between coach and team. So I think that'll be a real interesting early indication of how connected Archie is with this group if they come out and really play you know, 30 to 35 minutes of really, really strong defense. Anything can happen those final minutes of, a, you know, of, of what we expect to be a blowout game. But if they really come out with that defensive intensity, um, that's what I, uh, I want to see. All right, coming up on this edition of the Assembly Call, we're going to discuss Indiana's guard rotation, especially as it relates to Devontae and Rob, and what we have and haven't learned about it through two games against vastly inferior competition. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. Listening to the Assembly Call, you can find all of our content at our website, assemblycall.com. And if you ever want to participate in our unedited live broadcasts, chat mobbers, or watch those replays, then check out our YouTube channel. You will be privy to all of the between segment banner that doesn't make it into the radio show or podcast edit, like the time Ryan openly mocked his kind, wonderful mother on the air. Held you in my <laughs> womb for nine months. Mm hmm. Uh, join us live at youtube.com slash assembly call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And guys, let's talk about what has kind of felt like the most, uh, you know, common conversation topic among IU fans after the game. And that is Devonte Green and Rob Finnessy. And I think it's really important to state right off the bat as we start talking about impressions that we've made from an exhibition game and a glorified exhibition game. That, you know, number one, we haven't seen a whole lot of Al Durham yet and what that's going to kind of mean for the rotation. A lot of guys have been injured, so we haven't, you know, seen the, the you know, the first eight, nine guys as they would kind of normally been, be playing together. And let's remember how bad the competition has been. And just to give you a little bit of perspective about the kind of crazy performances that can happen during these early games against really bad teams. In 2014, we played Chicago State in the opener, and Jeremy Hollowell scored 16 points and had four block shots. In 2015, we played Mississippi Valley State, and Max Hotzel, who would later become Max Montana, had 19 points and nine rebounds. So big performances in the first game of the season, they're not always harbingers of big performances to come. All right, And the offense is still clearly finding a rhythm. That said, I think we all feel pretty comfortable that we've seen some things from Rob Finnessy that no matter the competition are going to translate to when the competition starts to get a little bit better. And while we've only seen Devontae Green for one game, we also have two years of experience with him. And so I think it's fair to at least, you know, kind of build some impressions from what we've seen, you know, and start to discuss what that may mean for the offense moving forward. So coach, what have kind of been your thoughts so far? We know your affection for Rob Finnessy. You coached against him last year in high school. What, what, what have you kind of seen in terms of fit from him, and how do you see the two of them fitting together, um, you know, or kind of how their roles might settle in moving forward? Well, it's going to be an interesting battle to watch because the experience goes to Devontae Green. We know he can play that position. We've heard that he had a good offseason. Uh, but then the next man up uh, when, when he was injured, uh, when you have competitive talent uh, behind you and they, they come into play, uh, injury shouldn't cost you a position, but if that substitute comes in and plays really well, I thought, um, uh, John Crispin on, on, uh, po 
the podcast today, podcast on the brink was really excellent about trust. And I can't, I can't emphasize that enough as a coach in basketball. If you have a point guard that you can trust, uh, I call it being a, a coach out on the floor that knows what side of the floor to take it to, where the shooters are, uh, who is, who is trying to get things done for the team before themselves. Uh, that just increases that level of trust. And when I heard that today on, on the way drive over to practice, that that's the biggest thing that, um, you know, he said that he didn't feel that uh, Devontae had that same level of trust as, as fantasy, even after just one or two games. I don't know that I'm ready to say that yet. Uh, it could just be that they wanted to bring Devontae in after the injury, uh, but that's something to watch. And, and it is, uh, you trust players. And sometimes it's not the best, player the player who can make the fanciest moves or or hit the most shots but it's about execution offensively and defensively and a lot of things that fans may not see or don't show up in the box score uh, that's running while the, the game goes on um you you as a coach just love those players um you know and, and that's what, how some offensively challenged players get on the court because they can execute defensively and offensively and i just think rob is that point guard andy said it i believe on the point uh, on the post game show about he just is a point guard in the way of running an offense and then scoring. And Devontae's just others, and many people probably have said that. And um, but but I, I think Rob is is going to be a solid player for a long time. And I think he's showing that even though the competition hasn't hasn't been uh, outstanding. And and that is um that is something to see. I thought it would happen, but I, I didn't think it would happen this early. I thought it would take some grooming time, and and he'll have a game or two where he'll struggle, but it sure is making the the seat hot for Devontae and the, it, Rob's play. Yeah, I thought the other thing that John Christmas said on the on the same podcast was um was it was something to the effect of you know Devontae kind of drives looking to score or does things on the floor that that move in the direction of creating scoring opportunities for himself versus. Fantasy is a very seems very natural at trying to make something happen for other players, and I think that that probably plays into that trust factor a little bit. Um, also, I think can just be I, I, I'm going to say predictable and in, in I, I don't know probably that maybe that's too strong a word, but I think when Fantasy has it because he's you know very much doing stuff from you know in the flow of the offense and and just trying to kind of run things like it's there's a consistency factor to where he's going to be, what he's going to do, where I as another player on the floor with him need to be and where I need to position myself knowing how he plays versus Devante, who's a little more freewheeling and um, and does some of those kinds of things where it's like, I don't really know where I need to be as a player complimenting that person on the floor. So I think there's, there's a little bit of that. And um, you know, both of those skill sets are valuable at different times and in different situations. Um, and I think that's one of the reasons that, you know, you kind of brought up, can they play together because they really, you know, the yin and the yang, can they really, you know, kind of coexist and balance each other out a little bit. But um, it's a pretty stark contrast when you look at those guys on the floor. And I think that's what, I think I used the term like polarizing the other night. I think it becomes really, you know, as much as you're like, well, we're these two games in. It's like, no, this, and now everybody's like, no, we need to take sides now and figure out who's going to be, <laughs> uh, who's going to be the guy. I don't necessarily think that's true, but I do no. think it, it for, for those who, view the point guard position as being played in a certain way. The guy that you envision in your mind is probably Rob Finnessy. Um, and for those who like a different style of basketball, it's Devante. But I think you're, um, you know, I just 
think it's a, it's it, it, there's there's such a contrast. It makes it an interesting debate, and I think in it's one of those things where in games that haven't been very close, you're kind of looking for something. Uh, not necessarily like controversial to talk about, but there's like what what can you really take away from these games? The the scoring margins, but I can take away like this is a really important position for this team. And in, in watching the two of them play, how do you how do how does everybody think it plays out best? I'll settle for mildly interesting after games like Chicago State. Doesn't even need to be controversial; just mildly interesting will do. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> You're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. We're talking about Indiana's point guard situation. Here's the thing that I've started thinking about this. You know, when you look at the starting lineup, when you have a Romeo and a Juwan on the floor, right? You know, those are the two guys that you need to play through. And, you know, when those two guys are out there, it, it feels like, and we're going to have to see this all play out, but it feels like a guy with Rob's skill set, even if you just kind of remove the names and who they are, but just his skill set and his propensity on the floor might be a better fit with those guys. Now, you know, we know Devontae can be a spark plug. He can be a scorer. And there's a place, there's definitely a place for that on this team. He, it, it could end up being that he's better served being a guy on a second unit that when Romeo or Jawan go to the bench, he's now a guy who kind of moves up the pecking order in terms of your offensive options. And he can be a little bit more free to do the stuff he's good at. Like, I think the problem we run into with Devontae is he does have some really good natural skills and he's got some instincts. And it's like we're always telling him, no, Devontae, don't do that. No, don't do that. But it's like how he naturally plays the game. So I feel like if there's a way, because of what Rob brings to the table, if that can help, you know, maybe minimize some of the situations where Devontae's instincts get him in trouble, but he can be put in situations where you accentuate the positives he brings to the table maybe that can be a benefit for everybody. Now, easy for me to say, I'm not the guy who was pegged as a starting point guard who would lose my job in that situation, have to accept a new role, but you just, you kind of look at it from 30,000 feet. And I wonder if that couldn't be better in the big picture for the entire team. Um, and coach, you know, you can comment on that and also on how hard that might be for Archie to try and sell to a guy like Devante, who all off season we were talking about as a point guard and who still may end up being that guy as we go forward. Sometimes it's very difficult for coaches to um, put players in positions of need because you need them, but that's not their natural ability. And, and, you know, Devante may be a better two guard and and he may be better with Rob out there at the point and and go a little bit smaller lineup or, or coming in for Romeo and mixing it up a a little bit. And, And I, you know, we'll see what Archie can come up with, but there is a role and it's, it's coaches got to sell roles and, and it's, it's not easy and you got to do it every day. Talk about team, team, team. But you know, Vinnie Johnson comes to mind of the old Detroit Pistons. Probably most of our chat mobbers and everyone listening don't even know who Vinnie Johnson, the microwave, be. the if, microwave. If people don't know, I don't want to hear about it. Cause that's going to make me feel really old. So if you don't know, yeah. just play along, act like you do and, and let's move on. But, you know, come off the bench and light it up and, and be a, be a slasher. He could be a slasher where he can make his moves, uh, and, and his shot. So again, coaches have to put people in position to succeed. Sometimes that doesn't match up with the player and the player's family and all of that. And that's just stuff you have to deal with, but it could very well be that Devante is really going to help this team and may even play better off the ball. Um, or on on the ball as, as a as a backup player with a different mix. I I like that idea um, qu- quite a bit, um, and that's what you'll see with depth. You can miss mix and match as needed uh, 
for for a variety of teams. And and look, well, that that only works if Rob is up to the challenge against better competition, and we don't know that yet. We're extrapolating from games against inferior competition that we've seen. But anyway, go ahead, Andy. Yeah, well, I think the the easiest thing to do here, is, which these are not player comps. So if Ryan is is listening, I want to be clear that's not what these are. But you try to think back to you know kind of coaches example of Vinny Johnson, but you know, for me, it's trying to think of other IU players who maybe were miscast at a various point. So the guy that immediately comes to mind is Verdell Jones. All the stuff that he got asked to do early in his IU career was stuff that he was asked to do out of necessity on those teams, but really became a guy, like you said, that was, you know, you see, you sit here as fans and I do it, you know, Devante takes a pull up three from the top of the key up 15. And you're like, no, stop doing that. You know what I mean? But it's, you know, that, you know, is he being asked to do something by playing the point that maybe is not in his best interest? And I thought Verdell, that happened a lot with Verdell Jones. And then you see a guy really try to figure out like what his niche is eventually over the course of his career. And the guy that comes to mind there is a Troy Williams who really started to figure out, hey, my, certainly these guys are different positions, but, you know, I can really, you know, you know make things difficult for defenses by making hard cuts on the baseline. He eventually developed, a, you know, a bit more of a jump shot than he had before and really kind of being a slasher and those kinds of things. So, so to me, yeah, it's early. I think it's a good time to start talking about those things because it's something that we can watch for again as that kind of puzzle comes together. Um, but but you certainly have seen over IU's history and others where, you know, guys who are asked to consistently do stuff that just isn't in their DNA is probably not going to work out and just going to kind of turn people against them in some ways. And then you've got others that you can really see embrace, hey, this is how I can be successful when I have a good game, I'm doing these one, two, three things, and I'm going to go out and do those every night. Yeah. And, you know, and the other thing that'll be interesting too, and coach, you mentioned this is, you know, kind of seeing them, seeing them play together and see how that works. So I know, you know, Jay in the chat, you know, how can you judge Rob's composure when he hasn't played a minute of basketball against a decent opponent? You know, he got two quick fouls against Chicago state. And that is true. Again, we have to wait and see, but I think the reason why everybody feels comfortable kind of extrapolating that forward is number one, his reputation in high school and what he proved over time at McCutcheon, you know, and what you saw a coach scouting against him and coaching against him. And frankly, just what his coaches and his teammates have said about him. I don't remember many freshmen that have gotten the praise that he has gotten for his maturity and mental toughness and like all of these things that you don't usually start hearing about. And you certainly don't often hear about from a freshman. So I think that's part of it. Like there's more here than just a normal run of the mill freshman I think there are some reasons to think that it might be real, but yes, like with anything else, you've got to see it against better competition. But I think to answer your question, Jay, I would say that is why people feel a little bit more comfortable in this case, kind of trusting that moving forward. Coach, any final thoughts on uh, on the point guard topic? And again, we all really look forward to seeing Al play because he apparently made a lot of improvements too and is going to be in this mix big time. You know, a lot of times as fans, we default to returning players as the players who should be better and uh, are experienced because of that. Um, we, we trust Romeo to come in and have the composure against big teams. Uh, Rob is not Romeo, but Rob is a highly recruited guard who played some really good basketball. And, um, you know, it, it goes back to, to different styles of recruiting, uh, and, some, you know, Rob's more of an Archie Miller guy than Devante, in, in, in my opinion. Uh, Devante was from the old regime, and there's always going to be that little difference of uh, that's there. Uh, and it's got to be handled by the coach. It's got to be handled by the player. But, you know, I, I think fans can 
yes, we don't know. And, and the minute that Rob has a bad game, you know, then everyone's going to say, yeah, he can't handle against Marquette or some other players. But um, it's the style of play more than it is freshman versus junior uh, experience versus non-experience that I think um, that that really excites us. Um, and, and again, from a coach who knows that if your point guard can run the team, it's a lot better. And I just think Rob might be better than that on in the long haul. I think for me, you know, I kind of mentioned in my opening comments about the Marquette game telling us a lot. Those guys are going to have to guard Marcus Howard <laughs> in that game. <laughs> And, uh, and while he's not a great defender, they might be able to get some things done against him. Uh, for as much as Archie views defense as being an, an important piece of that equation, uh, I think how they play in that game and how much they play in that game will be a lot more telling than anything we've seen so far, that that'll really be our first glimpse at. Is this a legitimate kind of changing of the guard or, or whatever you want to say there? I think that game is it will be the first time we can truly you know, hazard a guess at whether that's happening or not. Yep. All righty. Coming up, we are going to reluctantly spend an entire segment talking about recruiting, uh, specifically Trace Jackson Davis and his announcement from earlier this week. We'll offer our perspective on that. So stick with us here on the assembly call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Remember that if you are a serious IU Hoops fan, you need to be subscribed to our free IU Basketball email newsletter, especially now that the season has started and we're sending our in-depth post-game analysis emails the morning after every game. There's a high-level operation going on out there. And joining is easy. Just text IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. That's IU to 66866 or go to assemblycall.com. Make no excuses. Can we get some basketball, please? Okay, let's talk some basketball, and let's talk Trace Jackson Davis and his recruitment. He made an announcement uh, this week through Corey Evans of Rivals, and I think Jeff Ravjohn's uh, Peegs reported it as well. Um, but the basic quote from the Corey Evans article is, uh, this is from Trace, I've officially decided that I'm going to sign late and not early. I'm not ready to make my decision yet. Okay, now that's only really an issue because kind of the narrative has been that Indiana's the clear leader. They have all the crystal ball picks. A lot of people thought that this would happen by October. Certainly he'll commit uh, you know, and sign by the early signing period, and that hasn't happened. And so I think this perception that Indiana was the clear leader and this was going to get done has you know, kind of made it feel like something has been taken, you know, at least the reaction of some fans, I should say. And it's probably a vocal minority, but it, you know, gives the impression that like something has been taken away that, that we had when in reality there was never a commitment made and he's just going through the process like he should. So I just want to offer kind of a quick bit of perspective on this and then coach and Andy get your thoughts on it. Number one, he is making the smart decision. If I was his, someone in his camp, I would tell him to do the exact same thing. He's a five-star recruit. He has the leverage. He could show up on in October for practice without committing or anything and he will have a spot like at any of his three finalists. So there's information he doesn't have. How does Archie develop big men? How does he work with five-star recruits? You know, what is this program? You know, we're two years not having made an NCAA tournament. Are we going to step up and be better as a program? There's a lot of information for him to get to maybe, you know, match the, the, the emotional feeling that he may have if he really does, you know, like IU that much. So I would say get all the information, 
become more certain with your choice, whether it's Indiana or whoever you choose. I applaud him. I think he's doing the smart thing. And while it would be a huge blow, there's no question, because this is an in-state guy, it's a position of need, we've put a lot of time into him, don't have a lot of plan B options out there, it's not, and, and, and no option B really even comes close, it's not a death knell. You know, there are graduate transfers, there are other transfers, there is spring recruiting, there are other things that could happen that could still put the program in a fine position. None of them would come close to getting Trace, but for those two reasons, I think it's important to obviously respect his decision to be patient with it, but also not to, even if this doesn't turn out the way that we all want, feel like the the sky is falling. But I would also say Archie's got a pretty good track record so far. You know, I'm willing to, you know, obviously keep the trust and just be patient and let's see where this ends up uh, in the end. Andy, what are your kind of thoughts on this? As uh, you-, you know, it, it, to me, I was always surprised that there was, and, and even you know, he had talked about trying to make a decision early. That always surprised me. And and I say that basically along the same lines as what you were saying before. Like to me, any five-star guy should, I, I don't want to say drag the process out as long as possible, but take as long as you need. Um, it's become more and more rare that those guys announce in the fall. And so the notion that he was going to do that was kind of surprising to me. So, so this kind of aligns better with, you know, kind of similar to what you said, advice I would give or just the the reality of most five-star kids. So that to me in and of itself isn't concerning. To your point, I think there's a different feeling about it because there was this, you know, belief that he he was going to make a decision sooner rather than later. And so, you know, to me, I think any five-star kid should probably be doing what he's doing. And so you you really can't begrudge him for making a, you know, for taking his time to make a choice that's good. And, uh, you know, Romeo waited till, you know, essentially the 11th hour was really the last, uh, or, 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 you know, one of the very last five-star guys to commit. It it doesn't mean waiting doesn't mean that your initial lean is any different than what it would have been before. But like you said, maybe you need something to reassure that maybe you, you know, need something else. So that's not to say that he would pick Indiana if he had to pick today and that he'll pick Indiana in the spring. Um, but I guess I would say is for a guy who, you know, has been tied to some place for a while, we have a recent example that says waiting doesn't equal disappointment for IU in this situation. Yeah, look, clearly it's not good, right? Like clearly, you know, if the perception was that Indiana was like the 100% leader and this is going to be a done deal, clearly he's open to other options. And who knows, maybe other big schools will come in. And if they do, he should listen and we should all be happy for him. And, you know, this whole notion of, oh, well, Okay, well, we're not good enough to commit to right now. We don't want you anyway. That's the silliest thing that I think I've ever heard. And if you're saying that or you're thinking that, just stop because that's absurd. Um, Coach, your thoughts on this recruitment? Well, you know, I just take a different uh, take on it. This is a it's a complex process, and and I look at recruiting just to see who's how Indiana is doing in the game, and, and I look at it like Indiana is doing really well in the game. Um, they're in the, in the, in the top three, they have Brooks, they, you know, they're getting a lot of people to look at, at Indiana. And it seems like there is a methodology to the recruiting as opposed to what's been in the past. To me, that's, what's exciting about recruiting. These young men and their families have huge, huge choices to make. Uh, and, and, you know, going to college for anyone is a tough decision to make. And you should take the time that, 
you feel is necessary. And then all the crystal ball stuff is fun from fans to watch. But uh, again, I don't, you know, a lot of families try to keep that close to the vest or this player meets with someone from Michigan state media. They're going to say one thing and say another thing. I, I don't know that everyone that thinks they know where these players are going really has a lot of inside. It's like my neighbor's second cousin's girlfriend saw trace at Taco Bell and he was wearing a Michigan state Jersey. Some stuff happens and it filters through the, the social media world. So someone you know, tweet that please. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's, um, and I understand because we want our, from a coaching standpoint, you'd like to have your recruiting set and done early. So you don't have any surprises. Cause if it doesn't go Indiana's way late, now you are looking at someone a lot less and you might've missed out on the second option that you wanted. So you've got to balance that, uh, whether you want to wait or not. And for this guy, we're, we're obviously going to wait, but there's some negatives as far as waiting on, on the program, but um, you know, I'm not super interested in talking about recruiting right now because we got a team that's on the floor, uh, that's, that's going to be doing some great things that we're all excited about and, 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 you know, control your controllables. I have no control over what Trace Jackson Davis is going to do. I have no control over what the Hoosiers can do. And I know it's fun to talk about that stuff and we need to talk about it, but we need to talk about it in fairness to the young man and, and his family and, and coaching high school athletes, um, that's a tough decision, whether it's D1, D2, D3, and there's a lot of information out there, and there's a lot of misunderstandings of what is done at different levels. So I follow it, wish that he would do it, uh, a little bit shocked that he didn't pull the trigger in November from what I've heard, but, um, you know, it, it's basketball season, and and, and he, he will make the right decision for him and his family in the right time, in the right amount of time. And, you know, just a couple quick thoughts. One is – we kind of need to get used to this some like if we want to be competing for five-star recruits and going up against the big boys we're going to have to be in this for the long haul and get used to some recruitments dragging out into the spring you know it's it is all and this should make us appreciate obviously having a guy like armand franklin you know there one of the spots taken by a solid guy that we all think is going to be you know a good player you know let's remember that um the other thing and i guess the last point on this we used to have a policy on the show of not really talking about recruiting especially in season until guys committed we, we, I think we got a little bit lax on that, you know, as the Romeo thing started to get bigger and bigger. Um, but this recruitment has kind of reminded me of why we had that policy. And I think maybe it's time to go back to that. You, I'd have no issue uh, reverting back to that as well. And I think, you know, to Coach's point, you've got uh, a team that you're really excited about. And the reality is if the team plays well this year, uh, then that is likely to mean that Juwan has done well. Romeo has done well. And I think both of those things are impactful to a guy like Trace Jackson Davis. Romeo in the sense of what does Archie do with a five-star. Juwan in the sense of what would he do with somebody who's playing, you know, a front-court player who's really talented and versatile, and what what do they do? So if the team plays well and we enjoy the season from that standpoint, I think those are positive things that, that could help Trace Jackson Davis make a decision for Indiana. But the reality is it doesn't matter how bad you want him to come. It's ultimately his decision. Whatever he decides is what he thinks is best for him. And who knows what happens from there. So I, you know, to me, there, there's nothing that we're going to gain from, from talking about it until he actually makes a decision. And uh, we'll just enjoy the players that we have already and go from there. Coach, any final thoughts? You know, what, what are Kansas fans thinking when Romeo came to IU? Kansas is top seed right now in most bracket places and they're moving on. Um, 
you know, Indiana's going to be wearing the candy stripes next year, whether Jackson Davis is with us or not, and we're going to be having shows. And, and uh, that means life is good on my part, as long as we're having conversations with you guys about the great university and a great basketball program. If you want to be here, Trace, uh, come. If you don't, uh, good luck. Absolutely. Okay. I felt like we had an amazing conversation on all levels. Absolutely. All right, coming up here in our final segment, we will answer your questions, including one about how Indiana should defend Duke, and then another about the danger of looking ahead to Duke and overlooking the importance of the Marquette and Arkansas games. That is next. Stick with us. to the assembly call we are wrapping up another week of talking iu basketball i am jared morris here with andy bottoms and the coach brian tonsoni filling in for ryan phillips this week and this week we're taking some questions from the new private iu basketball community that we uh, kind of quietly launched a few weeks back it already has 753 members and features a lot of intelligent informed discussion every day about iu basketball and not to mention a fun live chat during iu games if you're interested check it out at assemblycall.com community love to have more you know, excited, enthusiastic IU fans in there with us. So, guys, it is segment four. That is when we usually answer questions. We've got a bunch of good ones. If you submit a question, we don't get to it. We'll hit it in the Monday mailbag, but we'll get to as many now as we can. Uh, this first one is from one of my favorite Twitter handles, Marchie Priller. Uh, it says, if you're Archie, do you stick with the pack line defense versus Duke, or do you try to switch defenses throughout the game, maybe play some zone? What defense do you see best fit to keep Zion out of the lane and hope Barrett and company are off from outside? Coach, what is the defense where all 14 players get to play at the same time? That's the defense I'm thinking that we probably want. Uh, you know, it's early in a season and you are who you are, right? So you're a pack line defensive team. You're going to play the pack line with some adjustments inside that pack line that might not be there for, for normal to try to slow down uh, what looks like to be an incredible Duke offense. Uh, you may see some zone at some time. Um, it just depends. I don't know that this is a must win uh, for Indiana. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of switching defenses, but there's there's some stubbornness too at times is that this is who Indiana is. We're going to play it. We're going to give you our best. We'll make a scouting report, calls, and adjustments as we go. Uh, but but we're not going to be so afraid of a team that we have to go and be something that we're not. Um, and it, and two, maybe you'll see more of that multiple defense later at tournament time in order to win the games that you need to, to keep playing. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see. I can see it going both ways. I'm more of a stubborn coach. That's probably why I'm an assistant now, not a head coach. But uh, we, we were going to play man-to-man regardless of how good the, the, the opponents were. We would make some adjustments as far as pressure, when we pick up, help side, who we help off, so forth. Um, and here's a thought, too. I think the best defense is an attacking offense. And let's see if those guys can get in foul trouble. Uh, they can't score if they're on the bench, and they're going to have to guard our guys, which Duke has not been very good at. They gave up 84 points, and if I had enough time, I was going to do the new offensive-defensive uh, metric in the in the bracket world. Indiana was over 5.5 to the plus in, in the first game. So even though that wasn't a nice quality win, that metric does not have a strength of schedule component to it. I was interesting to see, even though Duke now, what, what is this? What are these numbers? What's 
defenses. It's an offense minus defensive efficiency metric in this new net. It's one of the five components. Okay. It's supposed to be the second most important. But Indiana had a pretty good result. I calculated it out earlier today. Um, but I didn't have a time to, to figure out Dukes. Force them to play some defense. And even if they're tired or in foul trouble, will they will they do that? I know they played Kentucky first game, but I, I think you're gonna see adjustments rather than a whole lot of multiple defenses and a and a offensively offense designed to go after their better players. Uh, to force them to guard and maybe foul and do some things like that. We're beating Duke. Andy, your thoughts? <laughs> I, well, I think, uh, you know, I'd echo what Coach said. I think th- they got into, particularly their front line, got into a little bit of foul trouble in the first half of that game. And um, so I do think you have to put pressure on them to actually guard, particularly, uh, you know, Zion. And, um, y- y- you know, the thing defensively for, for IU and, and what, Duke exploited with Kentucky was that they had Tyler Hero on the floor and he had to guard somebody and basically whoever he was guarding was just taking him to the hole every single time and so they got a lot of good shots out of that I don't know that at this point based on what we've seen there's a true kind of weak weak link that somebody's really going to go after um, on IU now they'll probably have somebody picked out that they might really want to test maybe that's Romeo that they really want to test earlier things like that but um, I thought that was there I think you're you know Zion hit a couple uh, he hit a three. He hit another, you know, kind of pull up jumper. But if he's taking those shots, that those are the shots that you want him to take, and uh, not, you know, try as best as you can to not let him get anything going toward the basket, keep him off the glass, and uh, things like that. Although apparently you can just jump over people, uh, as anyone who watched that game learned. That that quickly turned from a like, hey, wow, this is awesome. Kentucky's getting routed to holy crap. When's that IU at Duke game? Um, that's pretty soon. And and as another potential defensive strategy, now you guys hear me out. What if you played part of the possession in man, but then, but then wait, wait, then later toward the end, you switched into a zone. I know mind blowing. That is how you're a champion. (laughs) Um, by the way, between trips to the bathroom, Ryan is laughing hysterically at the thought of getting Duke in foul trouble at Cameron. He just he thinks that's the funniest thing that's ever that's ever been said on this that's show. A, that's a valid point. That's a valid point. Uh, that's I mean, true. It sounds it's great. So it sounds great, but <laughs> you know, you'd have to get him to commit like fifteen actual fouls to get, you know, yeah. the three or four called that would uh that would make that happen. You don't gotta try, Ryan. Well come on. <laughs> gotta try. Uh okay, so this question, which really pairs perfectly with that first question, this is from Joel. With Duke being the game everyone is circling, do you think fans or players understand how important the two-game stretch with Marquette and Arkansas will be in the maturity of this team? It's very possible that IU could be 2-2 two and two to start the season. And, look, that's, you know, not a real pleasant thought to have, but it certainly is possible. You know, it, you know the offense is struggling a little bit. It, obviously, Indiana's going to have to put up some points to beat Marquette. Um, you're at home, so you have that advantage there. And then Arkansas, you're going on the road. We don't know how some of these guys are going to respond on the road. So those are two very, very losable games. I don't think we're going to lose both of them. I would not at all be shocked if we go one and one there, though. Um, my guess, uh, Coach, is it doesn't really matter what we as fans talk. We can look ahead to the Big Ten tournament if we want to. It'd be dumb, but we could do that. All that matters is what no the team... IU fan is looking the... forward to the Big Ten tournament in right. any way, exactly. shape, or form. Exactly. Um, <laughs> All that matters is what the team and the players are doing, and I think we can all rest pretty comfortably that uh, Archie has them focused wholeheartedly on Montana State right now. Then it'll be Marquette, and there won't be a whole lot of Duke talk until that's the next game on the schedule. 
Yeah, but you know the 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 questions. I think a solid question because those are the the two best opponents early on, and I think that will show us what what type of Indiana team it, we have. I, I I just think that in the two games that we have seen the exhibition and the first game, the second exhibition uh, that we saw, um, I, I thought you saw a team that was focused and locked in and probably better than we think. And, and there's two thought process as a fan. We think Indiana is really, really good, talented and that, but we're also nervous for the last six years or so we've been up and down and, and you, how are we judging this season? You have Marquette at home in the, most of Indiana seasons, that's a win. I don't care how good Marquette is. That's a win. And we were all confident about it. We're all a little gun shy. We're all a little bit nervous about the big games not going our way. And I think that I'm starting to get until, until the games are played a little bit more comfortable in thinking that um, Marquette's going to have to come into assembly hall and beat Indiana and Arkansas. Uh, I think with losing four starters is, is, you know, it's on the road. You're always worried about that, but I do think, uh, that question is a great question. If we come out of that 2-0, and that is really a great signal. Losses in that uh, then slow the progress. So I, I do think those two games are vitally important um, to to play well. And always you want to win um, and, and play well and, and learn lessons from victories in those areas. So I, I think they're maybe even more important than Duke because Duke's so good. You could probably go in there and play well. And whether you get in foul trouble, Ryan, or not, it could be a 20-point maybe. You know, it's just they're that good. So, yeah, I think these two games are very important. We're beating Duke. Uh, Andy? <laughs> yeah, I mean, from a from a bracketology perspective, you know, when I ranked the games, I think I had Marquette second and the Arkansas game fourth, just in terms of importance, what where those could shake out when the season's over. And I think ultimately those are probably more important than Duke because they're – they have a feeling of being winnable right now where I think anybody could watch that Duke game, you know, just despite what uh, your, your sound drop from coach, uh, you know, from the off season, you know, those are games that IU can, can feasibly win. And the Duke game, could they come out and shock everybody? Maybe, but that to me is a house money game where anything that happens there is gravy if it's good. And if you lose, then you lost to Cameron. So what? Um, so I think in that regard, it's, it's really positive. And I think those are the ones that, I don't take those lightly because I think those are the ones we first start to actually learn more about this team uh, in those settings. Um, and I think they will be big tests for different reasons. One, a really good offense two first road tests. So um, I certainly am not looking past those. The Duke game is exciting, but uh, you know, th those games are ones that I think IU has a far better shot of actually winning. Yep. All righty. Well, that will have to do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. If you want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat, chat mobbers. join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. I hit the wrong music. I hate it when that happens. <laughs> you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, don't forget to go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 to join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow night, Friday night, for the IU Montana State postgame show. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. And we will fill the rest of this extra time with Ryan drops. It's completely ridiculous. Come on, dude. This was the most ridiculous ordeal of my life. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. 
And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support the assembly call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating. And so many of you have donated and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, Another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Cascade Platinum every night Saves you water every night Come meet me at the dishwasher, babe See, hand-washing dishes at your sink uses about four gallons of water every two minutes. Naughty, naughty sink. But with Cascade Platinum at your dishwasher, four gallons of water gets the whole job done. Slow the flow of that H2O and change your routine. Do it every night with Cascade Platinum. A surprising way to save water. From the company that brought you Rocket Mortgage comes Rocket Pro Insight, the innovative product designed to give real estate agents control like never before. Rocket Pro Insight allows agents to send files on their clients' behalf and get to closing faster. Sign up today at rocketpro.com slash real estate and get the freedom to check a client's progress from anywhere at any time. Offer cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. MLSConsumeraccess.org number 3030. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.